0: Welcome to spawn a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Dubiner and along with Kristen Chase, we're the co-founders of coolmomhicks.com. Today Kristen is taking a little summer break, but I am so lucky to be speaking with an incredible guest about a really big topic I've wanted to cover for a while who is allowed to call themselves a single mom. And we've got the perfect guest for it, entrepreneur and writer and single mom advocate, Rachel Sklar, who literally wrote the definitive article on the topic this year. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. We'll be back to talk about single parenthood right after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin by women for women. Ritual contains nine nutrients that are difficult to get enough of every day, even with a healthy diet. So instead of five to eight vitamins, Ritual makes it easy with just two capsules a day. You can even order online at ritual.com for around a dollar a day delivered to your door monthly so you can get on track with your new healthy habit and stay on track. You'll also like that Ritual vitamins ingredients are vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free and allergen-free, in that all ingredients, as well as the ingredient sources, are available right on the website for full transparency. Try Ritual today, and Spawned listeners can save 10% off your first three months. Just go to ritual.com slash spawned to start your ritual today. That's 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash spawned. Okay. So let me tell you a little more about the remarkable Rachel Sklar. If you do not know who she is, which would be shocking. She is a writer and entrepreneur, and she's feminist based. She's the co-founder of Change the Ratio, which increases visibility and opportunity for women in tech and new media and the list. That's the L I dot S T, a network and media platform for awesome women, a former lawyer who writes about media, politics, culture and technology. Rachel was a founding editor at Mediaite and the Huffington Post. Basically, She's incredible. You've probably seen her writing in publications like the New York Times, Washington Post, The Daily Beast, Politico, Refinery29, Mother Jones. It keeps going. And on top of winning a ton of awards and media entrepreneurial accolades, she's an outspoken advocate for single moms, which is in part why she authored the hugely viral article for InStyle this year called Who Can Call Herself a Single Mom? Plus, she's a musical theater geek, like me, all while raising her daughter, Ruby, in NYC, like me. Although my daughter's not named Ruby. (laughs) Welcome, Rachel.
1: (laughs) Hi, it's great to be here. What an intro. Thank you. Well,
0: gosh, I feel like we have these guests on that are so incredible. We read their bios and then they're always like, wow, I did all that
1: (laughs) over a span of many years. What I was thinking while you were reading that was, wow, I really need to do some fresh stuff (laughs)
0: Kind Kind of hard when you're a single mom, but I guess we'll talk about that. You do a lot of stuff. So listen, let me just talk briefly to our listeners about why we are doing this episode. I mentioned offhandedly a few episodes back something like I'm single momming right now. And I said that because my boyfriend who lives with us was spending about 12 weeks out of state with his daughters on and off this past winter and spring. And so I was single momming, according to me. And I got a comment on iTunes review saying it was insulting to those of us who are single moms 365 five days a year. And at first I was a little like put off because I have been a single mom in various iterations over the years. But then I thought, okay, she's a fair point. This is a really interesting topic. So here's something I haven't discussed on the show before because the podcast isn't really a personal diary. But this past December, my kid's father, my ex died suddenly. He was diagnosed with stage 4 lymphoma, and he died about three months later. So, while I was the sole supporter of my kids financially before, now I really feel the burden of that and of single motherhood in that sense. However... We live with my boyfriend, which those of you who listen do know. We have for several years, and even while he has his own daughters who he supports who live with their mom most of the year, without going too much into it, he does help raise my girls, and they think of him as a stepfather. But even when I was recently separated, I didn't love the term single mom that much. It felt a little like a ploy for sympathy or something because I had such a strong village of support from my parents, from a trusted sitter, from other adults. And I always thought about my best friend growing up who is a single mom by choice and ended up having twins alone. Rachel, can you believe that? (laughs) And was raising them in another country. So I thought, well, who am I to call myself a single mom? But there are a lot of times I kind of feel like one also. So I've always wondered about this topic. And I thought, thanks to the commenter who called me out on iTunes, I thought, Let's discuss this, and I couldn't think of anyone better to bring in than Rachel because you wrote this amazing article in *InStyle* this year. Wow, I, I mean, that's that's
1: that is. First of all, that's a lot. Uh, second of all, I will say it sounds like you have ample experience being a single mom. At the outset, I will say that I come down on the side of an expansive definition. I'm not that interested in planting my flag in sort of nomenclature real estate and saying that I can only be this type of thing. Um, I don't think that helps anyone, but uh, it, it sounds like a lot. I remember when your children's father passed suddenly because I was aware of what you had shared about that. It's a, it's a lot to share DNA with a person, that results in a child that you love more than anything that you build your life around, whatever the relationship you may have with the person who provided one half of that DNA. um.
0: And I love that you wrote about that in the article. Like you said, you're not about owning the nomenclature. You really talked to a lot of different kinds of single moms, some of whom liked the term, some of whom didn't, and you kind of broke it all down. And it was very non-judgy and very funny, by the way. And um, I I really liked it. (laughs) Well, you had this funny line in the article where you made up a character named Trisha, who is an amalgam of like 8 million women we all know, not a real person. And you said she posted on Facebook that her husband, Todd, would be away for three days, so she'll be single-momming it. Send wine. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's kind of what our listener was referring to, someone who says, I'm single-momming it, when it really just means I don't have help for a night. And I thought that was a really reasonable way to kind of kick off the article. Was that what inspired you to want to write about this? Well, in truth,
1: actually, I've, I've definitely noticed that over my four plus years as a single mom. But um, I have to give props to Laura Norkin, my editor at InStyle, who had noticed the phenomenon herself and opened up a conversation with me about writing about it. She and I have had ongoing discussions about all sorts of topics over the years, some, some which will never see the light of day. So that was her suggestion. And I, of course, definitely related to it. And we went from there. So that was a really deeply reported piece. I went kind of to town on it, <laughs> I found myself. I just went down the rabbit hole at full speed and kept on talking to women. I couldn't include everyone I wanted to in the piece. I actually, um, I spent some time talking to military moms, which is a, a whole other.
0: Yes. Kristen was a military mom, by the way, when I first met her and we started Cool Mom Picks together. So we're very familiar with that and whether or not military moms get to say I'm a single mom because they have a partner who's away or out of the country even for a year at a time or more.
1: I mean, I think that, you know, maybe it's the nomenclature that is to blame here. I think, you know, supported mom Unsupported mom, partially supported mom—you get into really blurry areas. I would never call myself unsupported. Mm-hmm. Uh, my story is: I got pregnant the old-fashioned way in uh, sort of a blink and you'll miss it summer romance. So not uh, not turkey-based or style. Not turkey-based or style. <laughs> not planned. I was 41 at the time, my attitude was like, give it a try. (laughs) Um, It was discussed briefly in passing and not in a way that anybody would call sort of like earnest family planning, but uh, enough that I just thought both of us were thinking whatever. So you you would say you're a single mom by choice. Would that be appropriate? I'm definitely a single mom by choice. I think that term specifies someone who went and planned to do it on her own. There was nothing about this that was planned per se. It was so lucky. I still can't believe how lucky I got. Super fast,
0: hot mess for a hot minute relationship. Also reassuring to women who are pushing 40 or thereabouts that like <laughs> you can still get yeah. pregnant if you want. I
1: didn't know I could get pregnant. I, To my knowledge, I had never gotten pregnant. i definitely wouldn't have called myself a poster child for prudence and safety first thinking over the years. Anyhow, I got pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) The relationship did not last, which was definitely for the best for both partners. Uh, I, I met Ruby's dad in Canada where I'm from. I returned to New York and it was up in the air as to how things would proceed. And I was like, all right, Bring it. At that point, right, like I was just praying every day to get through the first trimester. Every single
0: day. As do we all. I mean, it was
1: it was a very sobering time because I was very aware of the statistics as a 41 year old woman, Mm -hmm. you know, you go to the gynecologist or the I guess not the gynecologist
0: anymore, the OB. And, you know, you're classified as elderly patient. Yes. Later in life, mom or um, high risk pregnancy. Yeah, I had all that. Advanced maternal age is my favorite. Uh,
1: Yes, exactly. And so every day I would just inwardly pray like, come on, like get through the day get through the day. We can do this, get through the day. And it was sobering because I
0: remember saying to my own mother that, you know, whatever happens, I'm a mom. So when you made this decision, because I've talked to a lot of single mom by choice friends of mine about this. Did you consult with friends and family? Like, if I do this, will you be able to support me? Can I count on you? You know, was that a consideration or even a discussion you had? It wasn't really. I personally found it hilarious and wonderful.
1: (laughs) But like when it happened, my reaction was to laugh and just my eyes popped and I was like, wow, here we go. And it never occurred to me that I would not have support and help from friends and family. I felt very grateful and lucky to be able to give my parents a grandchild and my sister a niece. We were a family of 5 growing up. We lost my older brother and
0: mm. then we
1: were mm. a family of Four and having Ruby transformed us back into a family of five in a in a way that has been incredibly healing and wonderful. Wow! I assumed that would happen, but I was just really grateful to be able to have this thing that we had not had as a family. My business, my literal business, is the List, which is the creation of a village of women helping women. You could not have <laughs> designed a better network to build around yourself.
0: As a single mom. Yeah, you even mentioned in the article that there's nine point two million single moms going it alone in the U.S. right now.
1: And also single dads. The the other thing that I think is important to note that I mentioned in the piece is that, you know, single mom by choice, when you think of who's not a single mom by choice, a really just a very sobering interview was with uh, Chantal Reynolds, who's a widow. And mm-hmm. really just thinking about all the times that I've been like, yay, single moms, woohoo. The most wonderful thing in my life was the worst thing in hers, losing her husband, losing her children's father. And so that goes for widowers too, obviously. It's complicated. Yeah.
0: When my ex died in December, I remember thinking, wow, I'm in this really small club of Women who are separated or divorced who are not with their ex, and I was not really co parenting with him at all, but that suddenly he's gone, and that's this whole other degree of complications. Like, you feel your I don't want to say singleness because I was, you know, with an amazing partner and boyfriend at that point, and still am, but you like, you feel the, I guess, independent burden of your children's future very profoundly at that point. Like, regardless of how much their other parents may or may not be in their life day to day or supporting them when there's like literally no one else I have to consult about, can I take them out of the country this weekend? Or there's no one else I can go to to say, oh, I need some money for college for them. You really feel it. And so I I was glad you kind of brought up this idea of like the widowed or widower parent because that's its own crazy circumstance that I think we don't talk about. In fact, I, you know, here's what I was wondering. It seems from your article that there's almost like this hierarchy of single parenthood that some people use to determine who is and who isn't and who can be and who can't be. And while you're like very non-judgy and kind of like, hey, call what you want to be called, did you find there was like that hierarchy where like you're more single if you're like this, you're less single if you're like this.
1: Sure. And I see it from women who are single moms or began as single moms and then became partnered and sort of cast off the label actually said to me like, oh, well, I'm not a single mom anymore. That sort of thing. And, you know, power to you. And I
0: feel that way as well, by the way.
1: But I think the issue with single mom as a term is that it has been saddled over the years with very specific marketing meant to have connotations that are sad and weak, right? Your man left you, or you couldn't find a man, you couldn't keep a man. You have to do it alone. Alone, alone, alone is is the constant refrain. Doing it alone, feeling alone, being alone. You are treated differently by the state Mm -hmm. in terms of the benefits that might accrue to a marriage. I I mean, it's just this drumbeat that has an instant connotation of, wow, life must be hard and sad.
0: And I think, you know, that's why when I first split up, a lot of people said to me, because I was still writing a blog, and they said, you should write a single mom blog. And I was immediately uncomfortable with that. I thought, I don't know. I don't want it to define me. I feel like I have this whole village. And it's not to put down anyone who is a single mom or writes a single mom blog. I think that's incredibly helpful, actually, to a lot of women and men in the same position. And so I can see why people wanted me to write about it. But I think maybe I was influenced by some of those connotations where it felt like I didn't want that to define who I was. I was still a mother that was still making day-to-day decisions for my kids and taking them to the doctor and showing up for their rehearsals and their plays and bringing them to play dates and buying birthday gifts. Like, none of that stuff had really changed for me because I was very much the custodial parent even when I was with someone. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I saw the negatives in that that I didn't want to be defined by it, I guess. This
1: is a excellent segue into the fact that I am am soon to be launching a single mom publication. And
0: that's great. Let me tell you, so many moms want this so badly. Well,
1: so it's going to be called The Luckiest. I've spoken to it before. I have just not actually done it, but I just got to pull out that computer and write
0: that first post. You know what? This is why you're the right person to do it, because you don't see it as a weakness or a negative or a burden. The way you talk about it you always say that you and your daughter say, we are the luckiest. And you see it as such a positive. And I think that's a really fresh and surprising perspective. And it's lovely. It's so great. It's not like, woe is me. It's like, wow, look at all this great stuff about getting to kind of go it alone.
1: It's such a common refrain amongst parents, amongst moms, which just like, I'm so lucky. I gaze at my child sleeping. It's almost always when they're sleeping because they look at adorable. <laughs> They can't mess up your life, at least right then. (laughs) Look at your beautiful child sleeping and you think, I'm so lucky. So I would say this all the time to Ruby. I'd say, we're the luckiest. Aren't we so lucky? We're so lucky. We're the luckiest. And one day I heard myself say it and was like, damn, that is the name of a podcast, of a book, of a newsletter. It's so
0: good. It's so good. It really
1: encapsulates something. And it's something that I Feel and it's also something that I feel so profoundly as a single mom because before Ruby, my big roadblock was that sperm. How do you get it? How do you keep it in you? How do you make it do something inside you? Right? If you don't just have someone who can casually roll over and straddle.
0: It's a little harder. I think it's amazing. Like, honestly, I wish you had something called the luckiest dedicated to solo or single parents when I was first a official single parent, because I would have loved to see that perspective. Not that I didn't see people write positively about it, but it was mostly like, here's how hard my life is. You know, it is hard. It does have its own set of difficulties. And especially based on your circumstance, like we talked about, not quite a hierarchy, but if there's a partner in the picture, are they not in the picture? Are they in the picture? Sometimes are they in the picture emotionally? But not financially? What if they're in the military? What if they're away? What if they're just not good at making parenting decisions? Like, there's so many possibilities. But, you know, we can talk about all the different ways people are or become single or feel single or are part time or full time single. But how do you think? It changes when it comes to race or age or income, because I definitely felt like when I got pregnant at 36, I was unmarried. I have never been married, listeners, <laughs> that I, I just skipped that part and went right to the kids. And so... I did feel because I was white and 30-something and professional and in an advertising that I could say, oh, yeah, I, my boyfriend and I are not married. And it was fine. And I knew women of color who were friends who did not have that experience at all. And I wanted to know if through your writing and your research and all the women you've talked to, if you perceive that there is a difference in how society sees or views single women based on different factors. Of
1: course. I mean, yes, I'm a white woman. I come can- from from a socioeconomic background of privilege, and I move and shake in the world of privilege. But what was funny was I was so nervous about how i'd be perceived i was so nervous about the like inevitable gawker post about like rachel glass knocked up and unmarried and single and sad and alone whatever that was like it was looming in my head that i i wrote my own i'm you know 41 single and pregnant post so you could own the idea before someone else to find you and own the joy i got from it but basically anything that a white woman of privilege does is going to be given the benefit of the doubt far more than a woman of color. Our whole society is set up to penalize people of color. I mean, there's the unbelievable section in the New York Times this weekend about slavery and the shadows that are cast are long and deliberate. That's what it is to live in a white supremacist society. And we're in one. We could
0: have a whole other podcast about that,
1: Rachel, as you know. Yes, exactly. And so, um, This is amazing. It's in the Washington Post. There's a single mother hierarchy and it needs to stop by Kimberly Seals Allers, who was one of the founders of Black Breastfeeding Week. She talks about a subtle hierarchy based on, quote, on the level of participation of the father. And she talks about her own experience, how years after her own divorce, she continued to wear her wedding ring and that she would always bring the presence of her husband into conversations around her children. I'm going to read here. Quote, I've included my ex-husband on email lists I'm sure he has never read and shared his phone number. He lives in Britain, so what's the point? To make sure everyone knew that my children had two involved parents, i.e. a real family equally aware of the damning stereotype of uninvolved black fathers. Wow. I would include, uh, quote, I will discuss it with their father, quote, in every conversation and spoken we talk even at times when he and I were not even on the best speaking terms.
0: That's really good. And I think, you know, look, if we're going to talk about white privilege and people say, well, how do I privilege if I'm not rich or things like that? Well, that's what it is. Because I don't think as a white woman, I ever felt the need to have to point out that my kids had a father, even though I didn't wear a wedding ring.
1: Also, I will say that part of white privilege Mm -hmm. is the privilege of still having privilege even when you are not rich. I exactly, have had, exactly. I've had the most challenging year financially that I've ever had and it has been hard and it remains hard. But in that entire period, I have retained the patina of affluence, privilege, respectability, I mean, Instagram is great for that. I try to keep it real on my Instagram, but it's not like I take photos of my dwindling bank account. Yeah, it's hard, but privilege casts a really long shadow and it's not something you can take out of the conversation. I don't consider myself a spokesperson for all single moms. I'm a spokesperson for me, and all I can do is try to shine a light. And that's part of the thinking behind calling it the luckiest, by the way. Getting white women to admit they feel lucky is a really good entree to have discussions about privilege. And people who are resistant to talking about privilege don't mind looking at their beautiful children and saying how lucky they are. So that is a sneaky backdoor (laughs) conversation that I
0: do plan to be having
1: on the luckiest.
0: I think it's fascinating. Do you think that dads have these same kind of issues with nomenclature as moms do? Like, do single dads feel like there's a hierarchy of single daddom and who can and who can't be called a single dad? And do they feel more lucky? Do they express it more? Like, have you noticed differences between dads who are solo parenting and moms? I certainly think there's this, aww, factor hmm. with dads that doesn't quite
1: exist in the same way for single moms. I, I think that that's the awe factor for dads everywhere, right? Oh my gosh, that's so adorable and sweet. Like that video that went viral of the of the father doing his daughter's hair. Yeah. I do Ruby's hair every day. Because it's
0: unexpected. It's not expected by society that dads will do those things. And by the way, I could not be prouder of
1: my Elsa braid game. <laughs>
0: Bless you, because I have no braid game. None. I can do a very basic French braid if I use my mouth instead of a third hand. That's about it.
1: Just to be clear, it's not an Elsa braid like Elsa in Frozen. It's Elsa braid because that's what I call it. (laughs)
0: branding, very useful. All of parenting is spin. Yes, exactly. You eat princess carrots and therefore they're better than carrots and they'll eat them. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) So so do you think dads, yes, they get the awe factor, even if a dad is not single and taking their kids to the playground. It's like, what a great dad you are. I feel fortunate that through Instagram, I get a lot of compliments, like what a great mom you are. Your kids seem so happy. And I'm really grateful because I don't think moms get that a lot and they don't get it enough. But I think there's certain things that men get credit for that are very basic that women don't get credit for. If you see a dad on Instagram grocery shopping with their kid, they'll be like, you're so fabulous. Like I'm not going to get a you're so fabulous for that. I'll get a you're so fabulous for doing something more above and beyond. Do you feel like you get that or do you think you get the kind of single mom, you're great no matter what?
1: You're doing it all, Rachel. I don't think I can speak objectively about this topic because I'm in a parenting relationship with someone who refers to himself as a single dad. So I don't think it's for me to comment.
0: But you know what? That speaks to this entire topic. You have a co-parent in your life, even though you're not living together or consciously couples. And so therefore, you even see your own situation as a single mom who, and a single mom advocate, and you still see your situation as being different from other people. And I think that's why this is such an interesting topic overall. I just don't
1: think it's appropriate for me to comment extensively on who gets to be a single single. dad in this conversation. I'm
0: just wondering more like if dads have that conversation amongst each other, or maybe you don't know. I don't have this conversation with Ruby's father. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to reach out to the single dads I know in the blogging world, and I'm going to see what they have to say about this, because I know a lot of, some even define themselves as single dads, like through their Instagram handle, et cetera. And I'd really like to know how they feel or if this is an issue for dads. Or hey, if you're a listener, you can always write to us, bond at coolmompics.com or find us on social media and let us know if you're a single dad who's listening or a semi-single dad or a solo dad or a solo parent of the male persuasion. (laughs) I'd like to know your perspective.
1: I I want to say one thing a little bit um, just on this topic because you're reminding me of a single dad I knew who was coming out of a painful divorce and took the mantle of single dad upon himself Like pretty instantly. Sort of was like, I'm now a single dad. I parent half the time on my own. And one thing that I can't relate to, I can only empathize with, but not because I've experienced it, is that for many single parents, single dads, and single moms who are going through divorce, that is a extra painful, difficult, challenging layer Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: sort of attention must be paid because for all that it's been frustrating for me and certainly expensive and litigation is never fun, I didn't have the experience of having a relationship With someone I loved, fall apart, and I didn't lose a life that I thought I had and that I thought I'd have forever. Let
0: alone your kids, if they're older, seeing their family life change and being something different than what they expected. And then you, as a parent, bear that burden of helping them adjust to the new circumstances and change expectations. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff there.
1: I mean, I've been through breakups. I know they suck. I, I can't even fathom what that kind of breakup would do to someone. And they still have to get up and make the lunches every day and probably have to deal with lawyers. And like, it's just, it's awful. It's awful. And so again, attention must be paid. So
0: let me go to the article for a second, because there's one thing you talked about towards the end. And really, for our listeners who have not yet read this article in InStyle called Who Gets to Call Herself a Single Mom, it is so worth a read. It's not too long. It's very quippy and funny and clever and smart and thought-provoking. One thing you talk about, one of the thoughts that was provoked in me, Rachel, was you talked about the term solo parenting versus single parenting. And I actually really love that because I think it more defines the act as opposed to the person. Tell me what you've learned about that terminology. Is that kind of more in vogue now? Is that something we're hearing more?
1: I don't think twice about it when I hear it, but it still isn't my default, Uh, Mm -hmm. possibly just because it's really hard to unlearn a term. But I, I think it's a good term and I think it is worth trying to use, particularly if the term single parent is found wanting, um, the focus on marital status is tiresome for those who don't think of it all the time. It's funny. I was talking to a mom on the playground yesterday. I said I went to a play last night and she said, oh, I wish I could go out more. And I said, oh, just get a babysitter. <laughs> and she was like, well, my husband. And I was like,
0: Oh, right. <laughs> Those things. But isn't every mother guilty of like looking at everyone else's situation, thinking we're all in this together and forgetting there's like a whole lot of kinds of parents out there. It was just very funny. I had totally
1: forgot about the concept of the husband as a share of responsibility. You know, so I don't I just don't think of it. It just doesn't it doesn't happen to me. And this is why it's so important to have multiple perspectives, because we all get into our own little worldview and and see things only from our own perspectives, but yeah, I I think it's a good term. I think anybody who chooses it as their default definitely respect it like any measure of terminology. I also think that that works well for the example that we were talking about right at the beginning, which is I'm solo-momming it this weekend.
0: Yes, I here express gratitude to the reviewer slash listener on iTunes who called me out for saying I'm single-momming it this week. Probably wasn't the best term or most accurate term to use and was never intended to be insulting or diminishing of the hard work that full-time single moms do. So if I had to do that episode over again, I would say I'm solo-momming it. Mia culpa, there it is. So now let me ask you one more thing as a single parent advocate, this is something that just came up in the news yesterday, Rachel. We didn't even know this was going to come up, obviously, when we had scheduled the podcast. The Karn administration just announced that they want to make it easier to fire unwed mothers in the workplace, (laughs) which is mind-blowing. Mother Jones has a really good article about it. I will link it up, and here's a quote from it. The Department of Labor proposed a new rule this week that would make it easier for employers to discriminate against workers who they say violate their religious beliefs, including members of the LGBTQ community, pregnant women who are not married, and others. And the ACLU responded on Twitter, and they called it taxpayer-funded discrimination. So that would mean people like you and I could have been fired for somebody's religious beliefs because we were, quote, unwed mothers-to-be. What can we do about this as moms advocating for other moms of all kinds?
1: I wish I could vote. I'm Canadian. I can't. But that's the first thing is, you know, vote, sign people up to vote, get out the vote. Because this terrible law and all of the terrible laws that are anti-family and anti-woman and anti-anybody with a heart are functions of who is running the administration. And that's why 2020 matters. All the down ballot elections matter it all matters. Elections have consequences. And that's where we are. So anybody who can afford it, throw your money at local organizations doing good work at the national organizations that can successfully take this through the courts
0: and get in touch with your congresspeople. Call your reps. Yes. Call, call,
1: call your reps. They respond to pressure.
0: We actually have a great article about what to say when you call your reps. It's on Cool Mom Picks for people who feel nervous. And if you're extra nervous, I use an app called ResistBot that I love that allows you to text them basically through ResistBot. It's a text algorithm where you can text exactly the letter that you want and they will turn it into a fax and send it for you. It's really good. And I would also encourage you to listen to an episode from earlier this year with Catherine Goldstein, who is the the journalist and mother and the host of the podcast, The Double Shift, who writes specifically about motherhood and often the political ramifications of that and the stuff we're fighting. Fortunately, this isn't a law yet. It's a proposed rule from the Department of Labor, but I have not safe for work words for this, Rachel. No, but just for (laughs) calling your
1: reps, like you don't have to sound smart. You don't have to sound anything. You can just sob. I did that once. I couldn't believe it. I didn't even mean it. I knew what I was going to say, but you can just say, this is terrible. You have to fix this. I want to see my senator, my congressperson standing against this. What are they doing? I want to know what they're doing. They're obligated to record the calls and I just we're not Instagram perfect all the time. Lots of people work hard on tweets. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's all good. The most important thing is to take action. Is just do it. But yes, those calls and going out, like putting your bodies on the line, it's hard when you're a mom. There are times when I have not gone to things because, well, literally because of Ruby, because I have to pick her up, or I don't have a sitter, or because I've been like, I, I don't want to take her to that. It's hard, but it's it's also. Getting out there with a sign and then Instagramming that sign and putting that on the hashtag. It's all part of the greater whole. Just do something.
0: Yes, do something is one of my mantras these days. So let me ask you, let's end on something positive. What are things we can do even if we are coupled or married or partnered parents? What can we do to advocate for single or solo parents? How can we help?
1: You can check in and see if there's anything they might need. You can offer, I don't know, like, like a potluck dinner or babysitting or play date. I mean, I'm very, very lucky. I'm in an amazing community. We do babysitting shares. We mind each other's kids. We pick up each other's kids. Like I'm in a parenting utopia right now. I never feel like I'm some weird interloper and uh, I never feel excluded. But th- those are things, I mean, I think in the in a business context, hire them. See if there's any work you can throw their way. Subscribe to their newsletter. <laughs> it will deliver value. (laughs) I mean, just being aware, just being supportive and just maybe being like a little forgiving. I am very grateful to the moms in my community. No one's ever said, oh, I noticed you didn't get a birthday present for X birthday party. Like I try. I often fail. I have like a stack of
0: Presents that I like forgot to give, you know. And there have been times where I just I have not been able to spare it. Oh, that's me with thank you notes, by the way. I write them and then they just sit on my nightstand for like six months until I think this is embarrassing and put them somewhere else that <laughs> I can't see them, but I still don't mail them. Like that um, I don't know. I mean, I think just being aware,
1: inclusive,
0: and I think compassionate and supportive. You know, if you are employing a single mom and they have to leave sometimes early or they need time off from work, like be supportive of that. They're not doing it to get you and they're not doing it to make things uneven and unfair. I think just compassion and support goes a really long way in many circumstances.
1: You get way better results working <laughs> with people who will have the flexibility to provide good work.
0: Absolutely. See, you're very positive, And this is why you are the mom who calls yourself the luckiest mom. So Rachel, tell me where can we all find you? I know you're all over the socials.
1: My name, Rachel Sklar, R-A-C-H-E-L-S-K-L-A-R on Instagram and
0: on Twitter where there are a lot of rageful all cap tweets. Oh, you're one of my favorite Twitter follows. So oh, yeah. I would not call you rage filled. I would call you uh, feisty and inspired. How about that? And yeah. with a dash of musical theater. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I like that too.
1: I do know. I'm a lyricist at the BMI musical theater workshop. I have musical theater adjacent in the most real way that I've ever been. Uh, so it's delightful. I'm usually just trying to support and amplify some of the amazing talented people that I know. Well,
0: listen, I'm going to make a plan with you right now. Now that I have a teenager, Rachel, almost a second teenager, we're going to have Ruby over for babysitting so you and I can go out and see a show. Amazing. Your daughter's fantastic. I <laughs> love watching all the stuff that she does. Oh, thank you. And then we can also find you at the list, the theli.com. S T. And you're going to stick around for our cool picks of the week, right? I am. And I just, I mean, one last plug. Yes, please. Yes. Please. It's the luckiest.com right now links to the Instagram. It will shortly link to the newsletter. The luckiest. That one's not hard. Yay. So spawn listeners, you're getting an early peek at the luckiest.com. We will be back with our cool picks of the week right after this. We are happy to welcome a brand new sponsor to Spawn this week, BioBuddy. It's the world's first eco-friendly toy blocks for children. Eco-friendly because, believe it or not, these made-in-the-Netherlands blocks are entirely plant-based. Each block is 100% recycled and made from renewable resources, all from plants. But it's not just what they're made of that makes them so fabulous. In fact, they sent the BioBuddy learning letters set to me to check out, and it's just wonderful. These learning blocks for kids, 18 months, to six years old are designed to enhance and develop children's imaginations while helping them build skills like problem solving, math, motor skills, and in the case of the learning letter set, the alphabet and reading fundamentals. BioBuddy Blocks come from Safari Limited, the educational toy brand that parents, educators, and our little creators have loved since 1982. Their mission is to teach children the importance of nature and its conservation through the joy of imaginative play. And that's just what BioBuddy does. And we're so happy that are offering an exclusive discount just for our readers because we know you're going to love them. Visit safari slash spawned and enter code spawned at checkout for 20% off your order. That's 20% off your order with discount spawned when you visit safari slash spawned. Try BioBuddy Blocks today and you can feel good about doing your part to help protect the environment while your kids learn to do the same all through play. Okay, now it's time for... Cool Pics of the Week! Cool Pics of the Week! and Rachel as our guest you get to go first what's new and cool in your world right now
1: I wanted to make two recommendations one fun and one earnest and good for you
0: cool two picks we love it it'll be like you get one of Kristen's since she's not here oh excellent (laughs) so I spend a lot of time on Instagram
1: I don't apologize for it it's a happy place That's how I keep up with all of my networks and learn things and one person I follow is Trayvon Free I love him yeah Trayvon's great he's at Trayvon T-R-A-V-O And on Sundays, he does this confession booth where he invites people to confess things to him. And then he gives advice and comments. And it is some mesmerizing content.
0: You know what's crazy? He's one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. I don't think I'm following him on Instagram. So that is a fantastic pick. Thank you so much for me alone. Unapologetically progressive
1: isn't here for politess. And uh, the confession booth is great. So that's Trayvon. That was the first one. And the earnest one is one of my clients right now. I'm working with Women.nyc, which is an initiative of the city, the New York City Mayor's Office, to support women in business in all of five boroughs of New York. And I have been helping launch their Twitter account. So please do follow women underscore NYC. But I just I really wanted to recommend women NYC on all platforms. Just it is a great resource. It's a curation of
0: opportunities and seminars and potential funding sources. And are, is there helpful information for those of our listeners who are not in New York City? Are there kind of general business tips? Yes, absolutely. Cool. I,
1: most of the- the opportunities are New York-based, but right now there's the hashtag AskMoreNYC free salary negotiation workshops, and wow. one of them is mine. I'm not sure anybody would fault you for doing it if you don't live in New York. I can't speak to that officially, but it's just as a resource because I spend time trying to find things to you know populate the Twitter feed and amplify, um, and I'm using the women.nyc resources and website as my primary source. I am frequently blown away by how great it is. It's a great resource for women.
0: I'm looking at the website right now. It's awesome. And any of our listeners who have friends in New York City, women, friends, it looks like there are fantastic seminars like developing a marketing strategy or working on your elevator pitch or information about New York City's small business training grants program or your resume versus your LinkedIn profile, how to fix it. So good, helpful, solid stuff.
1: And money. There's money. If you live in New York and you're a creative, there are $50,000 finishing grants to apply for for by October first, you know, if you have a theater project, a music project, a film project, a TV project, some sort of webisodes, go get the money. <laughs> it's there. As I tweeted once uh, on behalf of Women NYC, if you only follow for the money, that's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. Those are good picks. Thank you. So what? my pick, we love, as you know, on Cool Mom Picks, we love supporting women entrepreneurs and small businesses. And one of my favorite artists on Instagram as well, but she also has an Etsy shop is Karen Hallian. On Etsy, she's K Hallian, H-A-L-L-I-O-N. We wrote about this on Cool Mom Picks recently, but we've covered her before. She has this inspirational heroin poster that is amazing. She is like a wonderful, almost children's book illustration style. And And the poster has these nine women in portrait, like next to Frida Kahlo, it says create. And next to Carrie Fisher, it says inspire. And next to Rosa Parks, it says resist. And next to Malala, it says speak. And she put them all together. People love them so much. She made it into a limited edition poster for classrooms. But if you look at her site, she has so much incredible work. Like, I just want to cover my room and my kids' rooms with all of it. Plus, you know, stickers and notebooks and journals and things like that. But she has just really wonderful kind of, Female centric and a lot of pop culture and comic y stuff, and Marvel and superheroes and Star Wars. But just I love that she draws from pop culture and from history to find inspiring messages and artwork for girls and women and for men who should be inspired by girls and women. So Karen Hallian is my cool pick of the week. Just followed. Hooray. <laughs> right. Look at you influencing. That's another episode of Spawn for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to our engineer, John Bowen, who is amazing as always. Wow. That that was tough for me in some ways I've got to admit it was really personal it brings up a lot of feelings and I'm sure it will bring up a lot of feelings for some of you as well if you'd like to talk about it we'd love to hear from you the best place to join our spawned listeners podcast community on Facebook you can just look up spawned listeners or find it through the cool mom Picks Facebook page you can also reach us on email spawned at cool we're all over the Twitter's the Instagram's the Facebook's you name it and hey If you like our episode and you like our show, there's a lot of things you can do to help spread the word and support what we do here. You can subscribe. You can leave us a five-star review. We like those five-star reviews. It's like a nice odd number. And honestly, the best thing, tell a friend or family member who you think would appreciate it. We get our best listeners from our current listeners. Thanks again for listening. This is Liz. Kristen will be back soon. Have a great day.